fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. If you're going to ask me, so you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week. 30 years in the making. I'm Batman. And this is Robin and Bat Boy. I don't know. Ouch. You can't have two Robins at the same time, so I don't <laughs> Which one's Robin and which one's Bat Boy? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Would somebody rather be Duke the Bat Dog? Sure. Okay. All right. One of you can be Robin and what which one wants to wear tights and which one wants to Sniff people. <laughs> I, I don't. Our know. situation has not improved. No, not no. Really. <laughs> those are quite the choices you've given us the, there. The the character selections just not go well. Enterprise. No, no. So, All right. why don't we just? What why, do you really think? Why don't we just do this? Why don't we say I'm John and this is Bo and Pat? Yo, hi. <laughs> That it, it sounds much better when we go that route as opposed to trying to come up with superhero ideas for ourselves. I'd agree. All right. Well, you are listening to the 30-something movie podcast, and this episode is Batman Returns. This is the sequel to the long-awaited episode for Pat from, what, three years ago now? Mm-hmm. How fast that time went, right? I know. We spent the whole like build-up to four years of... What do you, Pat? What are you waiting for, Batman? <laughs> Batman. Batman. It was it was very much a Rain Man kind of thing. It was like, Pat, what are you waiting for, Batman? Batman. 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 I'm a I'm Batman. a excellent driver. Batman. It's an excellent driver too. I'm a good driver. No, it's 246 batarangs. Three minutes to Wapner. <laughs> Three minutes to Wapner. Yes, Batman Returns is our episode this time around. Very quickly, we spoil. We talk freely here. This is your only spoiler alert here at the beginning. If you have not seen Batman Returns, go watch it. Then come back. You could pause the podcast. We'll be here. We're not going anywhere. And then make sure you visit our website, 30podcast.com, where you can leave a rating, a voicemail. You could become a co-executive producer via Patreon, where we have all kinds of bonus episodes going on over there. We have we now have three episodes a month coming out for the Patreon folks. Two mini episodes on a movie or TV show that we just probably don't have time for here on the regular show. And then one longer monthly episode that we put out for our Patreon co-executive producers. Any level, 
that you want to join us on over there at Patreon gets you access to all those stuff. If you enjoy listening to this show for even as little as like a dollar or two a month, you can get almost four times as much of us. I think everyone will want four times as much of us. <laughs> There's that's you, you do, huh? I sure more podcasts, hey, more, more better. I mean, that's, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying our immediate families are going to subscribe to Patreon, but oh, that's fair. Okay, pe- maybe people we don't live with want four times as much of us. <laughs> I, I don't know that I'm just guessing. We seem to be popular in Europe. Maybe people in another continent want four times as much of us. Okay. Is it distance? Is it distance makes the heart grow fonder? Is that what it is? I, I think that could quite possibly be it. That, that might be why we're more popular in Europe. And Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. You can do all that stuff very, very soon. I have I have been working on even getting us a, a little bit of a, a merchandise store where we might have really? some T-shirts and other items available if folks want to purchase some of those as well. Um, wow. I've, I've got some I've got some fun ideas in mind that we can put in over there, and I've got some got some family and some other people I know that are that are artists. If they wanted to throw some design ideas out there for us related to '80s and '90s stuff, or the occasional joke that we do here on the podcast, we might have some of those available. Dude, we're gonna have merch. I mean, I'm not saying it's gonna be West Hot American Summer, but wow, that's hard to do. But what is that? Would be what? What can right? I mean, the equivalent of a drunk Shimoda for us is Val Kilmer pushing a lawnmower. Right. Exactly. There's, there's only there's only so much you can do, but but anyway, so thinking of getting that started. And uh, I don't know if I told you guys this. We uh, we're gonna have a new logo for the podcast. Wow! Did I mention that before? Moving up so, in the world. So, I heard about it by listening to podcast full of kryptonite. Yes, I I did mention it over there, didn't I? Yeah. I was very excited to hear that. So it is, this one has been professionally made, so it's not ba- made by me mm-hmm. sitting around doodling with crayons in my basement. Well, you're crayon doodling. As long as you're sniffing glue while you're doodling, it's cool. How else yeah. are you supposed to? Just checking. Okay, thank you. I mean, I don't eat it. I was never that kid. Well, that's good. But, you know, to sniff it. Sometimes I stick my hands under my armpits like this, and then I go, no. Okay. Saturday Night Live, anybody? <laughs> yep, anybody. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. We're with you, man. Superstar. Okay. Yes, so this time around we are talking Batman Returns, and uh, oddly enough, this also happens to be our first episode of the month, so we got to do a little time travel. Will you all hop in the DeLorean with me and head back to July of 1992? When this baby hits 88 miles per hour... You're going to see some serious... All right, July of 1992, the top news in July. July 12th, Axl Rose was arrested on riot charges in St. Louis, stemming from a concert on July 2nd. Okay. This is also the reason why my mother ended up throwing away all of my Guns N' Roses t-shirts. <laughs> Uh, because, so this was July of 92, we had already moved over to England by this point. I had been introduced by some classmates to Guns N' Roses. 
which then started the the entire obsession. And while we lived over there, I think I had in, in well, there used to be a huge record store, a Tower Records record store in Piccadilly Circus in London, and that is where we would end nearly every trip to London. We we would go to the city probably at least twice a month, and we would end our trip there every single time. That's the last place we would go before we'd hop on the train and go home because my dad always needed some kind of an excuse to buy CDs. So mm-hmm. we went there. So that is where I got my first couple of Guns N' Roses shirts. My mom was not super thrilled because they had all the skulls on the front of it, all that good stuff. My dad was like, hey, look, my mom didn't want me to buy Beatles albums. This is just the next thing. So it's fine. Let the kid have a Guns N' Roses shirt. So I did. I did not tend to share as much information about mm-hmm. Guns N' Roses with my parents. So I think my dad knew pretty well. I don't think my mom knew exactly what all was involved with Guns N' Roses and, and maybe what they were well known for. And so I remember I was wearing my Guns N' Roses shirt when we went back to the States for Christmas one year. And my family, who is from Missouri, and and there are some that were from around the St. Louis area, this was well-known news to them that Guns N' Roses Mm -hmm. had caused a riot in the city of St. Louis. And so when I wore my shirt on either Christmas Eve or one of the days we were there, my uncle turns to my mom and goes, you're letting him wear a Guns N' Roses shirt? Don't you know what oh. they did? Oh. Like, this is not the same uncle that showed you all the good movies, I'm guessing. No, no, it's not. It's not. Yeah. So I was not super happy. And at that point, not too long after that, mysteriously, when I went to school one day, I came back home and all my Guns N' Roses shirts were gone from the house. So it was not, I was not thrilled, to say the least. Uh, wow. So, yeah, it, it, <clears throat> and it, it became a bit of a contentious issue. So when I finally got to see Guns N' Roses in the summer of 2018, I believe it was, when they did their Not In Your Lifetime tour, when they came back touring again, I went to go see them at Soldier Fields in Chicago, and the first thing I took a picture of was the T-shirt I bought when I got to the concert, and I texted it to my mom. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah quite happy to say that that concert shirt is still sitting in my drawer right now. A lot to unpack in that story, John. There is, and, a, uh, there is a lot to unpack. I'm I'm glad it's your family so that I can't unpack it because <laughs> that's like I am totally outside. And, and that way we, we, we don't make it a four-hour podcast well, episode. You know. But uh, I'm, I'm glad you got a shirt. I am too. I am too. Yeah, let's, mm-hmm. say, let's say the calm version of when I got upset with my mom. When I found out, and she was like, I don't know what happened to your shirts. Mm. The the calm version of how that conversation went was followed by this. That's extraordinary. (laughs) What would you like to do next? I don't think I said it that calmly. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was was a bit contentious. We'll just, we'll put it that way. (laughs) Put it that way. July 28th, R&B singer Mary J. Blige releases her debut album, What's the 411? Oh, uh, album there you produced, go. Album produced by Puff Daddy as well. There it is. One of the, let's see, birth, one of the births that I found of, of different names, oftentimes there's tons of births that happened in July of 92, but one of the only ones that I recognized was on July 22nd, Selena Gomez, the American actress and singer, was born in Grand Prairie, Texas. Mm-hmm. 
One of the recognizable names under the death column was July 30th, Joe Schuster, the Canadian-American cartoonist who was a co-creator of Superman, died of heart failure at age 78. Okay. Some sports news. July 26th, Nolan Ryan strikes out his 100th batter for uh, for 23rd consecutive seasons. Wow. Yeah, 23 consecutive seasons he had. He'd struck out at least 100 batters. Wow. Top books this time around in July of 92, The Pelican Brief by John Grisham and Gerald's Game from Stephen King. Top movies in July of 92 were, oddly enough, Batman Returns was one of them. Then we also had A League of Their Own, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, and Mo Money. And I, let me, I, I meant to get the audio ready for this, so bear with me for just a moment as I, as I get this ready. Here we go. Do you guys happen to know what the top song was in July of 92? No, I, I do I, not. I was so out of the top 40 stuff at that point, so. How about this one? One of those rap guys' girlfriends. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, jeez. <laughs> of course it was. Of course it was. Because she looks like a total prostitute, okay? I mean, her butt. It's just so big. I can't believe it's just so round. It's like out there. I mean, gross. Look. She's just so black. I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. Yeah, when a girl walks in with an itty bitty waist and a round thing in your face, you get sprung. Wanna pull up? Cause you notice that butt was stuck. That's about as much as we play in the car when I play it with the kids too, so. <laughs> we'll stop right there for now. However, the uh, the old SingStar karaoke game on the PlayStation 2 had that song on there. Nice. It was sung many times. And That's there was awesome. and there was much rejoicing. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yay. All right. Do you guys have anything else? Do you remember anything else from July of 92 that is newsworthy? <laughs> no. July of 92. Reaching back into the recesses of your mind to see if you can remember it. No. no. The dusty, okay. little, some clogged cob- resources of my mind. Some cobwebs in the dark little corners back there. Okay. All right. Well, in that case, let's go on to Batman Returns. So our movie this time around is Batman Returns. It came out on the 19th of June, 1992, rated PG-13 with a runtime of two hours and six minutes. Directed by Tim Burton, who did Edward Scissorhands and Beetlejuice. Writers for this one were Sam Hamm and Daniel Waters. Hamm did the story. Waters did story and screenplay. Hamm wrote for the TV series Mantis and the movie Monkey Bone. Waters did Heathers and Hudson Hawk. Producers were Tim Burton and Denise DeNovi. Burton did Frankenweenie and Corpse Bride. And DeNovi did De Heathers and De Ed. Music was done by Danny Elfman, who did Men in Black and Beetlejuice. Cinematography by Stefan... Mm, I'm going to mess up the pronunciation of that one. Mm, Kapsky? When a name starts with a CZ, how do you pronounce that? Carefully. Okay, that's what I thought. His name is spelled C-Z-A-P-S-K-Y. So I'm going to go with Kapsky. I'm probably very wrong on that. I'm assuming it's possibly Polish or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I butchered it. So I apologize to Stefan. He did cinematography for Vampire's Kiss and Ed Wood. Editors for this one were Bob Badami and Chris Labenzen. 
Badami was actually this is the only movie he edited, but he was uh, credited as being in the music department for Con Air and Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Okay. Oh, Con Air! I can't wait to talk about that one. <laughs> Con Air, how do I live without you? And then LeBenzen did Crimson Tide and Top Gun as an editor. Budget on this one was eighty million. Box office was two hundred and sixty-six point nine million. So it it made some made some money on the bat credit card. Never leave the cave without it. Flick Metrics gives this one a seventy percent. Cinema Score gives it a B. Starring Michael Keaton as Batman Bruce Wayne. He was in The Founder and Birdman. Danny DeVito was Penguin or Oswald Cobblepot. He was in The War of the Roses and Throw Mama from the Train. Michelle Pfeiffer was Catwoman. Selena Kyle, she was in One Fine Day and Dangerous Minds. Christopher Walken was Max Shrek. He was in Pulp Fiction and The Deer Hunter. Michael Goff, who died in 2011, played Alfred. He was in Top Secret and Sleepy Hollow. Michael Murphy played the mayor. He was in Manhattan and Nashville. Christy Conaway played the Ice Princess. She was in Doc Hollywood and Time Cop. Andrew Briniarski played Chip. He was in Hudson Hawk and The Program. Pat Hingle, who died in 2009, played Commissioner Gordon. He was in The Quick and the Dead and Hang Him High. Vincent Schiavelli, who died in 2005, played the organ grinder. He was in Amadeus and Ghost. In order to permanently depose the Batman, the terrifying penguin who dwells in the Gotham City sewers, teams up with the evil, shock-headed typhoon Max Shrek. Selina Kyle, Shrek's reticent assistant, discovers the truth, but when Max Shrek decides to kill her, she transforms into the seductive Catwoman. She joins forces with the Penguin and Shrek to take down Batman, but when she faces the cape-wearing vigilante, surprising sparks fly. Here is the trailer, and we'll be back in just a moment. I've been down here too long. It's time for me. From the sewers of Gotham, a new villain emerges. You didn't invite me, so I crashed! From the rooftops of Gotham, the perfect enemy comes to life. sink her claws into. You're getting into a girl like me. He plots a foul reign of destruction. My dear penguins, thanks to Batman, the time has come to punish all of Yes. 
of Gotham looms its greatest hero. There's some interesting trivia pieces in this one, and they one in particular they had asked. Do you, do you guys know who they had asked to play the Penguin's father in the opening sequence there? Who they had originally Mm-mm. asked, I should say? No. Okay. Mm-mm. Do you know who it ended up being? I recognized him, but I couldn't place it. Okay. So the Penguin's father at the beginning of the movie, if I said, Au revoir, Simone. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's Pee Wee. That's nuts. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Tequila. Yeah, so it ended up being Paul Rubens ended up playing him. They originally asked Burgess Meredith if he would play the Penguin's father. The, oh. the original Penguin from the 66 TV series. That would have been awesome. <laughs> it would have been awesome. That would have been he really was, cool. He was too sick at the time, so he was not able to do it. But I, I think that would have been absolutely awesome. That would have been a cool touch. Jack Nicholson actually convinced, helped convince Danny DeVito to take the part because he had done so well as the Joker in the 89 Batman that uh, he and DeVito were friends. And he said, look, you'll you'll have fun with this. You'll make really good money with this. So go ahead and do it. One of the other funny things about the Gotham City sets, the sets themselves were mobile. They were movable so they could put them in different configurations depending on what outside scenes they needed. And the trivia thing on here said that Michelle Pfeiffer got lost constantly trying to walk around the set for each day of filming. Really? Just because it kept changing? It's the same spot, but it kept changing. That's nuts. That, that, that could do it to you. That could do it to you. And uh, there's, there's a ton of other trivia stuff here, but one of the last ones I was to share here was that Stan Winston, who his company had done the creature effects for this movie, in an interview, Stan Winston said that his crew would go around collecting the mechanical penguins after they had shot scenes for the day. And, and there was a mixture of mechanical and live penguins for this one. And he said it was like one of the cutest scenes ever. One of the live penguins had snuggled up and fallen asleep next to one of the mechanical ones. Aww. That's pretty fun. Like that's that's kind of a door. I Penguins are one of my favorite animals. So that's I think that is. Oh, kind of cool. that's cool. That warms the cockles of your heart. It does. It does. Right? And I, here, here's one more. The penguin makeup took about three hours to apply every day. So Okay. So I guess he one of the things Danny DeVito did was because it took three hours to put the makeup on every morning, they he had a laser disc player and a television put into the makeup trailer, and he brought in all of his favorite movies so he could just watch them in the mirror while he was getting his makeup done. That's that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. Oh, I I get all right now. Fine, this is the last one. Okay, I start sound like Leo Getz. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, 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 okay. okay. This is the last one. Okay, they had a really hard time shooting scenes with the monkey, where he has to deliver the letter from Batman to the Penguin, saying, "Sorry, your Penguin army could not come to the party. They respectfully decline, or whatever it was." Um, mm-hmm. They had a hard time shooting that because the monkey was terrified of the penguin's makeup. Mm. Oh, so every time, every time they tried to shoot the scene of the monkey delivering the letter, he would get terrified and run away. Huh. Oh. That's funny. All right. So we've got some major moments here in the movie. I've got some of these. We'll go pretty quickly. I've got about seven of them this time. And mm-hmm. our first major moment is the birth of the penguin. So in this scene, we get the Penguin's backstory pretty quickly. He was abandoned by his parents. 
one of which was Pee Wee Herman. But he's abandoned by his parents because he's born deformed, and they keep him in a little cage box kind of thing. He eats the family cat, all kinds of other stuff. And so it's it's a little bit of a, we want to say it's a, it's a creepy Moses story. He gets, he gets put in the basket <laughs> and floated down the river and then is raised by penguins. Right. So it's like a weird, creepy, okay. twisted Moses story. <laughs> well, there you go. I don't, I don't know. Let my people snow. I don't know. I was trying to come up with something. Well, that, that, no, that was good. Maybe, you know, maybe adjacent, right? Maybe not quite a, a sure Moses adjacent. It's, yeah, maybe that's what maybe that's what it would be more like. Okay, all right, Moses adjacent makes sense. So we have the birth of the penguin, and pretty quickly we we get. There are some times where it gets mentioned that it's kind of like the alligators in the sewers, but this time in Gotham, it's the Penguin Man in the sewers, and it's this kind of urban legend that's popped up in Gotham City. And then our next major moment in the movie is the birth of the Catwoman, Lena Kyle, who is not a very good secretary and is always kind of bumbling and getting in the way and forgetting stuff. And she does when the, is it the Triangle Circus Gang is what their name is? When they attack at the beginning of the movie during that sequence where Max Shrek is giving a speech, the mayor is giving a speech, and and she forgot to get him his speech, so she was running downstairs to get it to him. She gets attacked and captured and and meets Batman for just a moment. And we have, from one of her captors, we have, is it Chekhov's taser? That's what we'll call that one. Sure. Because it it will come back in Act 3. So uh, Mm -hmm. she does pick up the Mm -hmm. taser from the guy and, and ends up holding on to it. But she's not really... This is kind of her first moment of getting back at somebody who wronged her. And later on, when she gets pushed out of the window by her boss and is revived by the cats, the neighborhood cats that come running by, that is kind of the ultimately the, the birth of the Catwoman in which she makes a complete 180 and now is no longer the shy secretary that she was before, bumbling secretary. Mm-hmm. We got to talk about, even though we've talked about the birth of the penguin and birth of the catwoman, we got to talk a little bit about Max Shrek here for just a moment because he is kind of the, he's kind of the villain behind everything. Even though Catwoman and Penguin are our super villains, he is kind of the villain of the story. And in classic '80s movie sense, he is the wealthy businessman that wants to consolidate his power to gain more power. He's got some scheme in mind to get more power, more wealth. And so uh, Christopher Walken plays Max Shrek, and uh, he's, as Christopher Walken always does, he is absolutely great as a villain. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, from yeah. from the, the white hair to just his, all of his mannerisms and, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a fun villain in this one. He is, he is quite, he is quite amazing. Let's see. So as we get a little bit further on, Max ends up getting, ends up meeting the penguin, ends up kind of getting lured down into the penguin's lair and ends up meeting the penguin. And they kind of get the idea that maybe Max can use the penguin for some of his schemes to build this power plant in Gotham City. And, you know, the the mayor is maybe not so in line with some of his plans. And so he starts to get this idea that, well, what if I, what if I take somebody like the Penguin, who they figure out later, a little bit later in the movie, actually comes from a wealthy family, 
that his name is actually mm-hmm. Oswald Cobblepot. What if I could use this guy and he could buy, be my little puppet mayor and I can have him run for office. I can finance the whole thing. And once he gets in, he will do whatever I want him to do. So this is going to be my, my little guy here. That's going to do everything for me. Right. Catwoman shows up, blows up Shrek's store. And that's the point at which on the street corner, right outside the store, that's when the bat, the cat and the bird all meet each other for the first time. And it's kind of determined by both the cat and the bird that they don't so much like the bat and he's getting in their way to do all the things they want to do. And so they have the classic villain team up to try to stop the hero. And so they Mm -hmm. kind of make some decisions on how they're going to take Batman down and not even necessarily take him down, but just take him down a notch by having him framed and have him look like the villain for a change. Mm -hmm. So I know our, our deep thoughts comes a little bit later on, but there are a couple of things I wanted to comment on as we, as we go through some of these major moments. I'm just going to ask this one. I wasn't quite sure how to go about asking it delicately. Yes. Let me think. Yes, the answer. Is there too much innuendo in this movie between <laughs> the villains? And an awkward innuendo? There's a lot of awkward innuendo. I would like more of a clarification on what is too much. Anything that the penguin says. Ah, you mean he's a dirty, <laughs> dirty, dirty bird? Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. There, there are just moments where comments are made, and they're made com- just completely the wrong times. Like, it's not even, what is it? He's at the end, of the, the end of the movie, and he's giving his speech to the Penguin Army, and he talks about the people of Gotham and their erogenous zones being blown sky high. <laughs> uh, what? what did... He's a strange bird. What can I say? Is it because you were never hugged as a child? Maybe. Because penguins, they've got those flippers. They can't really, like, give you a hug, so. It's true. I don't know. It, that was one of the things that's a little bit more commentary than, than going through and describing the major moments. But I, I just felt like I wanted to throw that out there pretty quickly because there were plenty of times where I was like, do we do we need to go this route? I mean, is there a... a it seems like there's much more of an undercurrent of that in this movie than there was in Batman 89. I, I mean, sure, everybody everybody was hitting on Vicky Vale in Batman 89. Don't get me wrong. Like, Joker was all about that. But I don't know. It seems like there's... It seems like it's misplaced in this movie. Mm. You know, I don't understand why that aspect of the potential relationship needs to be there between Penguin and Catwoman. I understand it for for Catwoman and Batman because that's almost always been part of their relationship, whether it's hero and villain or whether they're actually in the comic books. A a couple years ago, they almost got married, and they've had kind of an ongoing relationship in the comics. But I don't know. It just seemed very strange for it to come on as strong as it did between Penguin and Catwoman. I don't know know if you guys noticed that as much as I did. Did it go both ways, though? I see. I only saw it as going one way. I mean, it. I think she played into it to manipulate him a little bit. Yes. Not as much as he did. She wasn't looking to bump uglies with the penguin, if that's what you're saying. At least that's not how I saw it. And I mean, we're talking. Mm -hmm. We're talking pretty ugly there. 
I, hey, you know, he's a dirty bird. What do you want me to say? True. Yeah, I don't know. I just I didn't know if anybody else noticed that quite as much as I did. There was a lot. I, I think, I guess the easiest way to say this is I think we're a little desensitized to it sometimes. Or I am, anyway. So I don't know if it tripped any of my alarm bells, but there certainly were a lot of them. Okay. All right, so next major moment is Batman is framed. They end up getting the uh, the Ice Princess ends up be on top of a building, and they kind of arrange it so that a Penguin unleashes a bunch of bats that cause her to stumble backwards and fall off the building and to be killed. And so immediately, within a split second, everybody assumes that it is Batman, and they turn on him at the drop of a hat, and now everybody is after the Batman. Penguin is able to take over the Batmobile and have him, you know, he's remote control driving him through the city, crashing into cars, destroying property, almost running over an old lady, all kinds of crazy stuff. So Batman is now the villain of the story, at least for a few moments. And then as we go just a little bit after that, Penguin is giving a speech on the, I don't know if it's on the steps of City Hall or in the in the town square area, and Batman is able to take some of the audio from what Penguin was saying when he was driving the Batmobile and turn that around because he said some things like, I'll deal with these sniveling Gotham puppets and, you know, I'll play this city like a harp from hell and all this other stuff. And, and immediately everybody turns on him and, and somehow there must have been a farmer's market like right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Because even he says, and I, that was kind of a funny moment. I mean, it, you, you, that was a pretty good line. <laughs> Because you're watching this movie, and and if you were taking some of this a little bit too seriously, I and and for a moment I was because I forgot he had that line that happens right after it, and everybody's throwing the tomatoes, they're throwing the heads of lettuce, they're th- and I'm sitting there going, really? And then he says, "Why is it that somebody always comes to a speech with eggs and tomatoes?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm like, all mm-hmm. right, I will I will cut you some slack there because you had that line right there, and that was that was pretty good. So I'll I'll let you have it this time, but." Mm-hmm. After that, just Shrek this time, just this time, Shrek has his party. He is ultimately kidnapped from his party, and then we have the whole scene of Penguin wanting to get back at the people of Gotham by uh, luring in their firstborn—I think it was the firstborn sons of every family—and uh, he sends out his Penguin army to do that. Ultimately, Batman is able to take control of the Penguin army kind of bring them back to the zoo and then they start firing off all their missiles and they blow up the Gotham Zoo. The the penguin is ultimately taken out. Catwoman confronts Max Shrek, brings back Chekhov's taser and with a kiss, which is I hear is deadly if you mean it and apparently she meant it because she gives him a kiss with the taser and that mm-hmm. ends up making, you know, Max Max gets a little crispy by the end of that. Mm-hmm. And the, the hair, I, his hair might have turned whiter. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, he got a little crispy there. And then that's pretty much the end of the movie. So we, we wrap up with, uh, it is assumed that Catwoman may be dead, but there is no body. Uh, only Max's body was there. It is definitely assumed that the penguin is dead because he kind of collapsed close to the water and he had his little penguin pallbearers drag him into the water there at the end of the movie. And so it's it's assumed that all this is kind of wrapped up and... We see at the end of the movie, Bruce is there with Alfred in the car, kind of a, a repeat of what we saw at the end of the 89 Batman. But this time he thinks he sees Catwoman run by, 
ends up walking into walking down the street a little bit and finds what was her cat's name? Was it Miss Kitty? Was that the the yeah, main black cat? Right. I think it was Miss yeah. Kitty. Which I think was also a throwback to the nineteen sixty six Batman because I want to say that Catwoman went by the name Miss Kitty sometimes when she was I know in the Batman movie from the sixties she was one of her alter egos was Miss Kitka and I feel mm. like one of her other alter egos might have been Miss Kitty in the old okay. show. I'm not, I'm not 100% on that, but I feel like it well, was. Well, I know one of the Catwoman was Eartha Kitt, so that just right. plays into all that stuff. Right. And so the kind of the final scene is a Batman then uh, picks up Miss Kitty, is, is probably going to adopt her and take her home. So everybody's getting a new cat around, around these players. Around these Huzzah! Parts. Huzzah! Cats for everyone. And we end the movie with a Merry Christmas, you filthy Alfred. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. We, we then kind of, we, we, broke, we go up to the tops of the buildings. We have the Batman theme playing. We have the, the bat symbol goes off, bat signal goes off, and then all of a sudden Catwoman's head kind of rises up from the bottom of the screen so we know that she is still alive. So she's not quite she's dead. She's back. She's not quite dead. She's feeling much better, and she might go for a walk. Mm-hmm. So those are the major moments. Did you guys, did I miss anything? I, there are some other like in-between moments here and there, but I kind of figured those will come out as we talk about our deep thoughts. Were there any other moments you wanted to shout out for the movie? I don't know. I think that was all the high points. Okay. I'm sure deep thoughts wise, we'll talk about the Bruce and Selena relationship and, and some of that stuff. So if you totally if had anything else, we can, we can go from there, but all right. I think it's time for some deep thoughts. And now, Deep Thoughts. All right, so I'm going to start, let's just, let's start as we tend to start. Do you like this movie? Okay. Yeah, I do too. Okay. But I think you're starting from, at least with Pat and I, you're starting from a more Batman, more better scenario. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel like I'm always going to say more Batman, more better for the most part. Pat, would you? I, I would agree. That's always going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And you know what? And that's, that's kind of my general consensus too, is, is more Batman, more better. I'm I'm gonna go the other route, and I'm gonna say I don't like this movie. Mm, mm, okay. I I am entertained by certain scenes in this movie. So a, a quick little backstory. I and and I I wanted to understand why, but it's been a long time. So I think I told you guys before we started recording. I think it's been at least twenty five years since I've seen this movie. Um, okay. I loved Batman eighty nine. And even to even to a certain degree, I, I do like Batman Forever. I do not like Batman and Robin. I, I just about cannot stand that movie. There are a few tiny little scenes here and there that I do appreciate in that one, but I do not like that movie. Batman Returns, for some reason, and I do not recall why, when I saw that movie as a kid, and, and I remember the buildup to that movie, because I remember loving Batman 89. Mm-hmm. I, I loved Batman 89. And I remember the buildup to this one, the merchandise that was uh, merchandising that was in the mm-hmm. you know, fast food places and the toys and the lunch boxes and the everything that went along with these, the action figures, all that stuff. 
the buildup to this movie, I was so excited for it. And I cannot tell you why, but even as an 11-year-old kid, I remember sitting in the theater watching this movie going, what the heck is this? Mm. Mm. I, I don't know why. I So having not seen it in two and a half decades, mm-hmm. when I sat down to watch it this week, in the back of my head, I'm like, it's been 25 years. I need to cut this movie some slack, and I need to watch it as much as possible. I need to try to watch this with fresh eyes. So I, I decided, you know what? I'm going to just I'm gonna forget whatever I thought I felt about this movie, and I'm just going to go in thinking, hey, it's a new Batman movie. I'm going to watch this as a new Batman movie. I love Batman 89. I love Michael Keaton as Batman and Bruce Wayne. So let's do it. Let's watch this thing. Mm-hmm. I put it on, and honestly, within about five to ten minutes, in the back of my brain, I thought, okay, I don't think I could articulate it as a kid, but I think I know that I still don't like this movie. Okay. And I wanted to. Like, I really want, I wanted to watch this movie, and I wanted to tell myself, yep, you were just, I don't know, as a kid, you, maybe you latched onto something, and, and it was something stupid, and you just for some reason, you didn't like it. Was the... <laughs> And this is, it's hard to put yourself in the mindset of a, of a kid, but know that what I'm about no, to it's say not. is weird as. No, it's not, Bo. I can do that if I want to. Know that what I'm about to say, you've, you've heard my experience with uh, Gremlins, where the original Gremlins still kind of freaks me out because as a child, it freaked me out so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm coming at this from, from a place of somewhat understanding. Do you think by chance that the penguin and the sewer was just a little too dark as a child and it left this something behind that you're still processing no it wasn't it wasn't darkness i thought the i thought the penguin the penguin in particular i just thought he was stupid (laughs) all right I, i did not like him as a villain even as a kid i was like oh man i love the joker and and Catwoman's okay. Well, but- I I will admit him coming behind the Joker is yeah, that's a tough go. That's mm-hmm. that's tough. I'll give you that one. So I I don't I don't know, but okay. I will try to, and I don't want to monopolize. Just curious. Our, I, I'm just yeah. sort of. I don't want to monopolize our conversation here, but I will because I will ask her in a minute, like what works for this movie and what doesn't work for this movie. I guess I'm already kind of jumping into my what doesn't work for me. What doesn't work for me in this movie is I feel like having watched it this time, the things that I enjoyed, even as a kid, the things that I enjoyed about Batman 89 is that for the most part, it was fairly realistic. There were some ridiculous things that happened, right? I mean, the Joker's your villain. Mm -hmm. You're going to have some ridiculous things happen. But for the most part, and I know it's not, not, not everything, not 100%, for the most part, the ridiculousness is coming from the Joker himself. So it's a creepy ridiculousness because mm-hmm. everyone else is serious. Everyone else is acting the way a normal person should act. All the, all the side characters, the, the journalists, the cops, the Commissioner Gordon, the everybody, Vicki Vale, Bruce Wayne, everybody is acting the way a normal person would act, and then the Joker is completely crazy and doing some goofy stuff, and it and that makes it creepy. 
mm-hmm. in this movie, I I just think it started to get towards the campiness we're going to see in the other two Batman movies coming up after this. Okay. And I didn't want to see that from a Michael Keaton Batman. Huh. I I don't mind a couple. There's a couple of moments in the movie where he says something funny, like he's in the Batmobile and he can't get the remote control off. And he's like, all right, well, now I'm worried. Mm-hmm. When he says, a little, like, that's fine. I'm totally fine with that. But there are moments in this movie where the journalists are acting like cartoon versions of the journalists in Batman 89. And mm-hmm. Selena Kyle as a love interest for Batman, I t- totally unbelievable that Selena is a love interest for Bruce Wayne. I, I just don't see it. The way Vicki Vale, he respected her. He thought she was beautiful, but he also respected her as a professional. And she had evidence to show that she was a, a strong person that could be a good counterpart for Bruce. The initial meeting between Bruce and Selena, unless he's just going purely off of looks or curiosity because she's kind of quirky, I don't see anything else that draws him to her as a potential love interest. And everyone, everyone in this movie is being goofy and campy. And I just don't, it, it, to me, it does not follow the same tone as Batman 89 does. It feels like we've just thrown some of that out the window and we've just gone now. And, and some of the things I've read is that Tim Burton had much more creative control over this movie than he did the original Batman because he had done so well with Batman 89 and Beetlejuice. They said, absolutely, you do whatever you want to do with this one. Mm-hmm. So part of that, I'm going to say, and I, and I love Tim Burton, but I don't think I love, I don't think, more Batman, more better. I don't think with regard to Batman, more Tim Burton, more better. Okay. Is how I'm okay. going to sum that up. I think if, I think maybe if there had been a, and I hate to say this, and I never, I almost would never say this about any other thing or movie. I think maybe a little bit more studio control in this one would have maybe helped keep it in line with the tone of the original Batman 89. That's funny because the first thing I thought when this movie opened it's like, okay, this is a Tim Burton movie. For minute one, this is a Tim Burton movie. You yeah. feel it. The grotesque gothic mm. architecture, the the camera move through the beginning. It, it's Tim Burton. It's it's there. This is him saying, hello, you are sitting into my world now. Right. And I and, love that. I love that part too. I just don't think I like, I'm going to use quote fingers here. I don't think I like Tim Burton characters in a Batman movie. Okay. Because these these people were, oh, here, here, here's a good way of putting it. Everyone in this movie became a character from Edward Scissorhands. Hmm. Okay. And, I, and, and mm. to me, that even as a kid, I don't think I could articulate it at the time, to me, that doesn't seem to fit with Batman 89. And that's where I think I was disappointed. Okay. All right, I'm going to stop talking. What works for you guys? What are the things about this movie that, when when you saw it was on the list, and Batman Returns is coming up, we talked about Batman back in, in 2019. You knew this one was coming up. What were some of your first thoughts when you're like, all right, Batman Returns, let's go? The toys. I always liked the Batman toys. Yes. And he's got some cool ones in this one. The programmable batarang that hits a bunch of people. The, yeah. 
the little the the sewer skip that like rolls up on the tunnel and rolls back down. That's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. The scene with the penguin remote controlling the car, like that little back and forth banter with them is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. It's Danny DeVito who I have a soft spot for. And it's funny because I think maybe it's because I I lean into campy in general. Like the campy wah, wah, penguin nonsense worked for me because it's the penguin, you know? I mean, the penguin was campy from the beginning. Just the whole concept of a penguin man is campy, just without even trying, really. Uh, the Catwoman stuff, she's good. I don't really... I buy his origin story better than hers, and that's not saying much. So there's that problem. But we're talking about what works. Michael Keaton will always be probably my favorite Batman, so that helps. I like the Alfred relationship in this one. It's I've always liked when the Alfreds play older. You know, sometimes you see a younger Alfred, and it's just it's, it's a different deal. I like the older Alfred, the more butler, the more stately. Like He's still in on the joke, and he's still like the guy he's still like his 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 backup but it's a different aristocratic like when, i like that alfred when both when both bruce and uh, selena have to leave early from their date and they're trying yes. to get him to come up with mm-hmm. some excuse as to why and selena finally lands on i, I don't know like a, tell him a dirty limerick or something and he's like one has just when, sprung to mind yes, <laughs> yes. that's pretty good that's a good that's yes good. that is a better way to put it like he's just it's the way he plays it i love it Christopher Walken playing a, a, a megalomaniac. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Patrick, what, what is it that works in this movie for you? Well, it's interesting. I'm going to do the same thing Bo did. I'm going to jump in and wait. We're talking about the things that work. But I, I hear what you're saying. And, and for me, I remember sitting in the theater, and, and this was this was I was old enough that I could get pump for this movie and be able to go see it on my own. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I had money. I had the, the theater was in within biking distance. I could get out to the theater and see this much as one as a, as much as I wanted. I could buy all the movie magazines that talked to the interviews and the behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff. And so I remember getting pretty fired up for this movie. I hear what you're saying. I, I, I guess the nearest thing I could compare to is, kind of like when we talked about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. right? Where the first movie was one tone and the second movie kind of took a different tone. Yes. I kind of compare it a little bit to that. And I'm going to just say a little bit because I remember sitting in the theater. I remember seeing it and being like, okay, this one's different. But that was it. It was like, okay. But then I kind of fell right back into more Batman, more better. And you guys might laugh, but the things that I zoned in on were – wow, the suit, it doesn't look like it's got like the rounded like muscles to it. It looks more like mechanical and squared off. Mm. And also the bat symbol didn't have the two extra bumps on it. Right. Right. And, and it was funny as a kid, it was, those are the things that I would focus on. I'd be like, well, wait, why did they change that? I thought that was pretty cool. And then I think the first time I saw it, I think the reason that I liked it so much and didn't focus on those other things the, the campiness, if you will, is because I was so disturbed that the bat symbol had changed that I was like, 
I just ignored all the others. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. cause you know, you, you see a movie and you know, unless it's Top Gun Maverick, like, like you're, you're always going to be, okay, why'd they do this? Why'd they do that? You know? So, I mean, those were kind of the things that I bumped on. And I, for me, I was just like, okay, it's, it's a sequel. It isn't going to be the original and all that. And, you know, it's, it's funny, I guess, John, you'll, you'll have to, uh, uh, rebut what I'm about to say, <laughs> but right up until you said Selena Kyle and uh, Bruce Wayne, like you just totally unbelievable. I was just about to say, man, I thought, I thought Michael Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer were amazing. <laughs> but uh, but, but I know, think I, you can say that. I think both of yes. those things can be true. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. It, the yes. later, well, yes. So the the later scenes, once they've got the relationship established, yes, I agree yeah. with you that it it, right. it plays very well. Right. But that initial, it's my same thing. I I think I brought this up when when I was on the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast a few years ago when we were talking about Superman one and two versus Man of Steel, and mm-hmm. and I commented on that one. I said, you know what, it it works when you get when you get into it. But I said. The whole, as much as I love, and I love Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder as Superman and Lois Lane, but when I look at that, I don't understand initially what Superman sees in Lois Lane, in that okay. Lois Lane, because she's shallow, she's superficial, she's like all these things that I can't imagine Superman actually being attracted to that person. Other versions of Lois Lane are not quite like that. Like they, they are a little bit more. There's there's more I don't know the the optimism there's more it's not so much being very superficial and self centered which is mm-hmm. is when I rewatch the Christopher Reeve Superman movies that's what Lois Lane comes across as and I just don't understand what Superman would see in her and same thing in this one when you know when Bruce and Selena first meet each other it's she's not even I guess once she has become the new Selena after she's killed. I mean, Bruce has this like dumb grin on his face the whole time she's in the room and Mm -hmm. she's like, she's talking back to Max Shrek and you know, she's, she's an attractive woman, but I just, I don't know. I don't see compared with the strong professional, confident, skilled person that Vicki Vale was um, Mm -hmm. in the first movie. I could see why someone like Bruce would be attracted to a person like that because she comes across as she doesn't need billions of dollars to make a statement or to try to make the world a better place. She doesn't need a, a bat suit. You know, she does this mm-hmm. through her photography. She is an artist. She All these things. And I just don't get that from watching the initial scenes of Bruce and Selena in this movie. Mm-hmm. Once it gets going, and I think especially... Once it, it's a little awkward with the Batman and Catwoman stuff because having a long history with the comics, mm-hmm. that relationship takes a while to get going. You know, Selena is always, Catwoman is always using her femininity to, to manipulate Batman in certain ways. And over the years, it, that's gone from being more of a flirting thing to they actually have a relationship. But it took a long time. And I mm-hmm. think in this movie, mm-hmm. for me, it just, some of that, the Batman and Catwoman stuff is a little bit too truncated. And the mm-hmm. Bruce and Selena stuff, it just, it doesn't make sense to me at the beginning. Once it gets going, it's fine. Like, they, they have chemistry, they're, mm-hmm. they're good, but 
especially when they're at the party later on and they're dancing with each other. I thought that was a great mm-hmm. scene. But yeah. I, I don't know. Just some of the early it doesn't it doesn't click for me early on. I don't see the reason for it to get started. Okay. Got it. But it's fine yeah. when it's going. I you know, it, it, everything else I think was already said like Michael Keaton, amazing. Alfred great their interplay is is you know, fantastic. I really really like well, I'm just going to say Michelle Pfeiffer, Catwoman, for me, enough said, right? Okay, yeah. I'll hear you roar. I'm good. Like, but I mean, it's like, and I also, it's funny, I was the one mouthing off about like checking out the stunt people and everything. I would love to like read up on who did all her stunt work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not only the fighting, but just the, the, uh, the handsprings and the whole thing was, was great. So I, I, that's as soon as we're done with the, the pot, I'm going to, I'm going to look that up and see who the, who the stunt, who the stunt people were for that. But no, I, I thought, uh, yeah, she was amazing. And as Catwoman, Danny DeVito was great. I love Danny DeVito. So I, this is, and this was kind of like a different type of role for him, right? You know, like he's not a three hour in the makeup chair kind of guy that uh, at least in Indeed. his other, like he, he would do other movies. So I thought, like, especially for something that maybe isn't kind of what he would normally do. I thought that was like stinking incredible. So i really liked the two of them. And, you know, we always, we always keep kind of come around to, you know, we can compare it to Jack Nicholson and so forth. But I think, uh, I think we're forgetting that they had Muhammad Shrek, but you got Christopher Walken. And so any like, Holy cow, did that guy, does that guy, well, and I'm going to say this and I'm going to make it sound like Danny DeVito and Michelle Pfeiffer don't, but like what Christopher Walken brings to a character, I think the three of them put together was an awesome, awesome team of villains. And I, I, I found, I didn't see them like stepping on each other, getting in each other's way. I thought everything was perfectly in balance between like who was carrying the story and how they interacted with each other and I, I really for this one it was just watching them bring those characters to life was yeah was was pretty cool you know like the ending was a little bit different and then it wasn't like some big like rock'em sock'em fight but still I I, I thought it was pretty uh, I, I thought it was pretty awesome I thought it was cool that the way they kind of left it open even though they kind of Batman was going to be taken over by a different look and everything by the time we get to the next Batman movie. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I guess those were, those are the things that really worked. It's just the actors that brought these characters to life. And, you know, it was a little, it leaned more, like we said, into the campy, into the, I'm going to say comic book, but you know, I don't read the comics and I didn't read the comics that much. So I might be totally off base by saying it, you know, it led a little bit more into, okay, how, come you got licked by a bunch of cats and now you're like this phenomenal martial artist. Right. Okay. How come you have penguin Paul bears? Okay. That doesn't make any sense. Okay. How, but it's like, what, what the heck? Like I, I was just like, eh, that's just the way they're doing the movie. And okay. You know, I, uh, yeah, that's, that's what, that's what worked for me. And I mean the Batmobile, you got a lot of great scenes with the Batmobile in there, which was, which was a lot of fun. And, uh, and I'm going to cycle myself right back up. Like 
Michael Keaton is just <laughs> amazing as Batman. We get some, Alfred, can you bring me antiseptic? Are you hurt, sir? No, <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> you know, it's. So to, it's, to answer some of your questions that you brought up, the name of the stunt double for Michelle Pfeiffer was Trisha Peters. Okay. And she did she did most yep. of the stunts for for Michelle Pfeiffer, except <laughs> the one thing I found out is Michelle Pfeiffer was much better with the whip than her stunt double was. And so I the, remember hearing that. Okay, so, go ahead. So Tim yes. Burton Tim Burton was like, No, 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 let her do it. She she is much better at that than the stunt doubles are. She her her motion is just much more graceful, it's more fluid. She's more accurate with with the whip than the stunt people are. So leave her in. Let her do the the whip scenes where she's whipping off the heads of the mannequins and all that. But otherwise, Trisha Peters is the name of her stunt double, and she was also she did some stunts in Batman Forever. Okay. If you, if you look on her IMDb page, there's a ton of other stuff: Lethal Weapon Four, Deep Blue Sea, a whole bunch of Hot Shots Part Two. Okay. Um, Halloween Four, Double Dragon. Barbed wire, Mars attacks. Mm-hmm. Okay. All kinds yeah. of stuff. Nice. Most well, recently, the the thing she was in most recently, I don't know if she's even working anymore because I don't see any other credits after this. She did stunts in an episode of Deadwood in 2004, but there's nothing after that. Well, I mean, I, it, like I said, that little bit that I read up on when I started studying about people that are like stunt performers, there's only so many years you can put your body through that stuff. Right. You know, right. and then I think yeah. a lot, of, and then I think a lot of, I think, I mean, years, I did some reading and watched like one documentary, so I'm an expert, but I mean, it's like, I think that that's when they try to like, you know, either to do another career, move on to something else or become like, coordinators. Or I was like the stunt coordinator where they're this, or the, the safety people on set. You hear a lot of that yeah. too. Yeah. Well, my gosh, good honor for the, the excellent work she did in this film. And how cool so, that uh, Michelle Pfeiffer got to use the whip. Yeah, right Right on. Right. Very, very Speaking quickly, of innuendo. Well, very quickly, I did want to mention, too, that originally Tim Burton had plans to make a Batman 3. And the mm-hmm. idea being, I, I guess the working title was going to be Batman Continues, which is a terrible mm-hmm. title. But it, the idea was it was just it was really going to be a, a sequel. It was going to be a continuation of the story. Catwoman was going to return. Mm-hmm. They were going to try to get Billy D. Williams to come back and play Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm. I guess Billy D. Williams... Well, what have reason, we here? Right. <laughs> what have we here? I have a coin. I'm the administrator of this coin. I will flip it. They apparently tried to bring back Billy D. Williams for Batman Returns, and he either turned it down or had conflicts or whatever. So that's why they brought in the character of Max Shrek. Christopher Walken to play that character. So they then were going to push it back. He was going to use Billy D. Williams as Harvey Dent in Batman 3, and he was also going to have the Riddler in Batman 3, and he wanted it to be Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. And so then mm-hmm. initially when the third Batman movie got taken over by Joel Schumacher, they kept the idea of having the Riddler, but Joel Sch- Schumacher was like, no, I don't want Robin Williams. I want Jim Carrey. And so... Robin Williams was pretty much done with it at that point. Because originally, I don't know if you remember when we talked about Batman 89, Robin Williams had auditioned for the part of the Joker. Mm. And I, and yeah. I think was fairly disappointed when he didn't get it. So, 
Well, that's that's going to just have to go into a case of what might have been. Like, that would have... They were also going to have Marlon Wayans was going to play Robin. Hmm. Really? Huh. It's, like I said, that's a what might have been. I, I really enjoyed Tim Burton's vision of Batman. I, I, I like this. You know what I'm saying? I like it. I like it a whole lot. And... Wow, that would have been uh, that would have been quite a move. That would have been quite a movie. My understanding is, I, I read a couple of different things. I read a couple of different things on this, and my understanding is the reason why Tim Burton. And this is going to sound ridiculous. One of the major factors as to why Tim Burton did not continue on with the Batman franchise was because of McDonald's. McDonald's. Oh my God! Because they did all the merchandising for these movies, just like they did with, with the original Batman. And McDonald's, being the large corporation that they were, they were expecting that they would make a bunch of movie off of the merchandising of Batman Returns, and then, because they thought it was going to be a family movie. Mm. And then, when you had, I, I found a quote on a website from Tim Burton himself. He says, I think I upset McDonald's. They asked me, what's that black stuff coming out of the penguin's mouth? We can't sell Happy Meals with that. And so hmm. apparently their their displeasure at this not being more of a family movie that they could sell Happy Meals for, they were one of the biggest, yeah, they were one of the biggest advertisers. They were one of the biggest groups that really kind of pushed back on it. And ultimately, I guess that's why, it's one of the big reasons why Tim Burton did not continue on. Huh. So. I guess it's a big business. Yep. There was a, there was another one I found in a documentary. Let's see, was this? I don't remember if this is. No, it's one of the writers, one of the screenwriters, Daniel Walt, Daniel Waters. He in this documentary, he was talking about the early screenings of the movie, and and here's his quote for it. Let's see. He said, it's great. The lights are coming up after Batman Returns, and it's like kids crying, people acting like they've been punched in the stomach and like they've been mugged. Part of me relished that reaction, and part of me to this day is like, oops. <laughs> so I guess it was a little a little darker than they had intended. Hmm. Little, or a little darker than the advertisers wanted it to be. I... <laughs> so. Interesting. So there's that. I guess I, I just I I guess I fail to see how it's darker than the original. Maybe maybe a little grosser, right? Like penguins a little bit he's eating a raw fish and the the whole thing. I and and you know what? I probably as a kid watched that and was like, how do you get elected if you're standing right there and eating a raw fish and being super gross? Right. And then fast forward like twenty years later. I was going right? to say, John, how, how how long do you want this how, podcast to go? How, how did that play out? Uh-huh. Uh, I uh, no, I, I welcome I was, to the thirty-something political podcast, issue one. I uh, like. I never was a fan of Garbage Pail Kids, but this this had a little bit more yeah. Garbage Pail Kid in it than like the first one. But I, I don't know. I don't know. And then it's sort of like, well, how old are kids? Like. I might bring Dominic to a movie like this. Like yeah. just now, like now, well, oh my God, I'm just realizing how old Dominic is. Okay. So 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, that's, well, then, yeah, I would bring Dominic to something like this. Daniela, she's a number of years um, younger. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. One of the comments that I've heard, the one of the words that keeps getting thrown around at this movie is not even necessarily that it's darker than the original, because I don't know that it's any darker than the original was, than 89 was, is it's much more cynical than Batman 89. Like it's it's almost like there's less there's less hope mm-hmm. in Gotham City and even Bruce even Bruce Wayne Batman is like what's what's the point? Because I mean it's, in, in the movie ends at least in the original Batman I mean the movie ended on a positive note he they beat the Joker he's got the girl all that I mean the way this movie ends is it's kind of on a down note it's like everybody has died. He didn't get the girl this time, you know, and he didn't he didn't even really win because she killed the guy. He didn't stop her from killing the guy in the end. So it's kind of a, right. it's a little bit of a bleak ending. I can yeah, almost see it as the second act of a two act play. Where I almost feel like he was planning on making a third movie. And so this is the second act of his three act play where it ends on a bit of a downer. It's it's your Empire Strikes Back. Exactly. I was just gonna say it's yeah. it's that it's that low point before you pick us back up in in Act Three. Is it um, is it is it that much different then than the Christopher Nolan ones? Yeah, but I, don't I mean, the world would not have been ready for the Christopher Nolan movies in '92. Surely, no, I, right? Yeah. Okay, so you're you're saying reaction back in '92. I'm just and I'm just wondering. I, it does seem it does in certain ways it does seem like a more cynical movie. In this, that's one of the other things I, I didn't mention earlier, and and this may just be my opinion on this. Even Batman feels like less of a hero in this movie. I I don't know if I can explain why. Like, well, it's that is the goal of Penguin and right Shrek. So. That makes a little sense. I mean, they're showing the darker side of being a hero. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but I guess, well, and, and I, I, here we go with point counterpoint kind of thing, but it, it's, uh, isn't, I mean, you, oh, I've, I've got you, my hand the, on the button, Pat, so you just go ahead. You're, you're the, you're the comic book guys, but isn't that the point of Batman? Like, if if 30 years ago that's what people were thinking that's fine but like if we watch it now man we were like compared to what you see in like the dark knight i mean that's kind of batman begins dark knight batman rises wait dark knight rises yeah well i can't i get the conan and brian spoof thing stuck I, in my I was head. gonna say be but careful the, with the yeah. dark knight rising that's a totally different yeah, different different thing Hello now. based on the, uh, based on bo's face i don't think he's seen that one hello there yeah the, okay, so the Nolan trilogy, I don't know. I Like I said, I, I, I'm going to just keep coming back to more Batman, more better, but I guess I don't see this as that much different in terms of Batman and cynical and all that as compared to the Nolan one. You know what I'm saying? Like I, Right. And, uh, and so if you're saying it, in the time that it came out, maybe that punched a little bit harder. Right. Okay, like right. I, 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 I totally hear you there. Yeah, I'm not. Com- right. I'm not comparing it to the Nolan movies, right? Okay, yeah. I'm just. I'm. But it's. I 
I lump together Batman and Batman Returns just as their own entity. Right. I, and so I, I could see how audiences back then would, well, well, maybe this is more cynical. I, I just say that 30 years on, when we've seen what Batman, how it's can be played, mm-hmm. um, I think I don't, I don't get that same, oh, wow, what are you doing to Batman? Like, I, I, that to me seems to be kind of like uh, what they do in the, in the Batman movies. You know what I mean? I think part of it, too, is that even the character of Bruce Wayne. Like mm-hmm. I, the character of Bruce Wayne, if he was, if this is a sequel to Batman, even if he and Vicki Vale did not work out, mm-hmm. I feel like where I'll be careful with the wording of this. I feel like where Vicki Vale would have rubbed off on him is that he would be doing more as Bruce Wayne to try to fix things than he had mm-hmm. done previously. You know, because he's kind of a in in Batman eighty nine, Bruce Wayne is kind of a recluse. I mean, he right. does. Sure, he probably donates money and he has these parties to help fundraise uh, for for candidates and for things like that. But you don't really see him. I think of if you do want to compare it to the Christopher Nolan stuff, that's where Bruce Wayne is also using his money to a certain degree to buy up certain things. Or when you get to Dark Knight Rises, he had attempted to create this renewable energy source for Gotham City, like for it, for something that would bring the city above all the crime that's going on and, and give people hope, give people at least try to deal with, with the poverty issue and the energy issue. He does that in those movies to a certain degree. And be, I think because part of the, I don't know if you want to call it the the, B-plot of this movie is mm-hmm. the dealings of Max Shrek and his whole plan to build this power plant and the whole machinations mm-hmm. of dealing with the politicians and all this other stuff. And the only thing Bruce Wayne says is, I will, I will fight you on this. But part of right. me is like, shouldn't Bruce have already been doing something rather than just having this line in a movie that says, well, if you're going to do this, I will fight you. I. Bruce, you're, I think you're supposed to be the wealthiest guy in Gotham. And if Vicki Vale had any influence on you, even if you've broken up now, I feel like you would have tried to balance the Batman with doing more as a philanthropist as Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne. And I don't see that in this movie. Like, I don't see him using any of his influence as Bruce Wayne to make Gotham a better place. I was, it's, it's, it's funny just, I, I, because that was actually one of the things that I had thought of was when I saw this, I'm like, wow, he's like, Bruce Wayne is, I don't want to say out of a shell, but like he's taking meetings, he's talking about the power. I, I think, and I know that you aren't comparing it to the Christopher Nolan thing. So I don't want to compare not, it to the Christopher completely. Nolan I mean, thing. No, go ahead. I'm, I'm kind of comparing I, it to those I, and saying, okay, I liked okay. how, I liked how the Nolan movies did Bruce Wayne better than this movie well, does. Well, and I think our awesome friends at the uh, Shirley podcast, they had us weigh in on 89 Batman and yeah. the dark Knight, Right. And it's just like, Oh my gosh, how do we do that? And I'm, and I don't even know if I answered that correctly, I think with the Dark Knight, and I, I don't know if it's a matter of runtime or that they had three movies to flesh out the characters, but I just, I, I feel like they've really, really developed the heck out of those characters. 
right? Like you knew Commissioner Gordon, right? You knew his family. You knew all this stuff. You knew Harvey Dent. You knew all the, which you get to really see that. Like, okay, you get to see how is he a Batman, but then you also get to see how he's Bruce Wayne. And I, I, I don't know. I would need, well, you guys, people that are like educated in film to tell me, why does it seem like in the, 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 the Christopher Nolan trilogy, there's so much more development of these characters. I think that I, I found those elements in these movies, right? Albeit there's one less movie. So they have one less, you know, uh, movie to, work with whereas the Nolan one had the full three I I feel like I see those in these movies it's just that it's quicker it's more implied whereas you saw it played out right like you see him show up and as Bruce Wayne and he's coming in and he's going to take on Shrek for the the future of the Gotham and he's going to fight you on this and all that whereas all the things that you listed, you see it played out in the Nolan trilogy. You see him building the generator. You see him sitting on the board. You see him making these moves. You know, Wayne Enterprises has like, you see Wayne Enterprise. Oh, that's the other thing. You meet Lucius Fox, right? You Mm -hmm. see applied side. You see all these things. Whereas in this movie, it's just a guy showing up that he's the millionaire billionaire in town and he's going to take it on. In my mind, it's like, it's the headcanon of, okay, there is a Wayne foundation, a Wayne enterprises. And I'm sure there's people working for him. And do you get what I'm saying? Like, and I, and so I, I, I don't think in my mind, like I said, the way I see it, I don't see that as lacking in these movies. I just see it as not being shown in the movies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To, to answer your question, if I'm just, if you were to compare the first two, like Batman and Batman returns, Right, right. If you were to compare those with, let's say, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, just the first two right. of the Nolan movies, the first two Nolan movies together have about an additional 40 minutes more than what Batman and Batman Returns does. So the Nolan movies, the first two Nolan movies clock in at four hours and 52 minutes, and yeah. the Batman and Batman Returns, the Tim Burton movies, clock in at four hours and 12 minutes. Okay. So you've got an additional he- 40 minutes to play with. And that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's, fun, it's, it's, it's funny because like, well, who am I? I? I'm the, I don't know that I'm the one that should be lecturing on this, but it's like, I always hear you guys talking about, or when we're discussing movies, it's always like, man, if there was just give me two more minutes of this or give me mm-hmm. three more minutes of this or trim, you know, 40 minutes. That's, <laughs> that's a whole lot of, a whole lot of everything. You know what I'm saying? But I do think there so, were some scenes. There were some scenes in this one in particular that could have been cut a little shorter and given right. you more of that character development. Like, I don't feel sure. like, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong in this, but I don't feel like Bruce Wayne, I don't know that I feel like there's any growth for Bruce Wayne in this movie. There are times where he seems more comfortable and more human than he did in the in Batman 89, but there were also mm-hmm. times in Batman 89 where he said some funny stuff. You you got his kind of quirky sense of humor in Batman eighty nine, the part where they're eating at the really long table, and and he's mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, no, I, oh, I love eating in this room. I do it I, all the time. To tell you the truth, I actually don't know if I've ever been in this room before. That kind of stuff, like he, you get his sense of humor, you get who he is as a person, and then in this movie, I, I feel like they spend so much time on the Bruce and Selena relationship 
that mm-hmm. you don't, I just don't feel like he progresses as a character at all in this movie. I, I don't know that I see him learning anything new. I don't know that I see him doing anything new as a character. He, j- I don't know. He just feels like a, a more cartoonish character in this movie than he did in Batman 89. And I just, I like the Bruce Wayne in Batman 89. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think it just, I, I think I, to use Jeff's phrase, I think that's where I bump on it a little bit is I just, I liked that Bruce Wayne so much that this mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne seemed like a watered down version of that one. Mm-hmm. I, again, like I said, there are still moments of this movie that I enjoy, but overall I just, as I watched it this time and I, I'll give it another chance sometime soon, but just in watching it this time, I was just like, no, I, I, I understand I couldn't articulate it as a kid as to why I had problems with this movie. Mm-hmm. And that surprises me because as an 11, year, I, I love comic books. I love Batman. I love all that stuff. I loved these movies. I vividly remember watching this in the theater and going, what the heck am I watching? Mm-hmm. But I couldn't explain why at the time. And for a, an 11 year old who loved this stuff, bought all the toys, bought all the everything, watched Batman 89 over and over and over again. For that 11-year-old who who always had the attitude of more whatever, more better, just I don't care, give it to me. Just I will take whatever, I will ingest anything you want to give me that's Batman-related. For me to have that realization, because I'm sure I went into Batman Returns going, oh, this is going to be awesome. The, I love the Penguin mm-hmm. in the old 60s show. Catwoman was great in the old 60s show. I love these characters. I've read the comic books. I've played the video games. I've watched the cartoons. I have the action figures. And then to walk into this, sit down in the seat, and get hit by that realization as an 11-year-old, mm-hmm. that's, I think, what surprised me. And and for years, I've kind of wondered, like, how as a kid did I not like this movie? I have to watch it again because I want to understand why did I not? I would have loved this but I did not. And I remember not. And it just, it's, it's boggled my mind, but watching it as an adult, I'm like, okay, I see, I can enjoy parts of this movie. Like I don't Mm -hmm. hate it. It, I don't hate this movie, but I just don't like it. It's not going to be on my Mount Batman. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. But I'm glad you guys love it. I'm, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. And, yeah, I don't. I don't know. It just I, this one. I was really hoping that watching it this time around, I something would click, and I would be like, "Oh, stupid kid! Mm-hmm. You didn't know what you're talking about. This is a great Tim Burton movie. I love this because I do. I love Tim Burton movies. I love his quirkiness. But there's just something about the combination of more Tim Burton in this Batman movie. I think is what does not do it for me. Got it. I don't know. It's a it's it's not a winning combination for me. Do we have anything else we want to say before we jump into our three questions? Not that I can think of. I think we've interrogated this movie appropriately. I concur. And I know there's got to be a lot of a lot of other people out there that are like I I really love this movie. That's awesome. I'm I'm glad other people love this movie. I would love to love this movie. Yeah, I just I I don't know. It just there's something about the combination of it that just does not hit me right. Got it. But like I said, I don't hate it. Like it's there's there's a lot of stuff to really enjoy about this movie. But again, it's it's not 
the the face of Batman Returns, Michael Keaton is not going on my Mount Batman. You know what? I was just going to say, you asked, and I guess we never did initial reactions. I, uh, I'm just, I'm just thinking of 14 year old Pat sitting in the theater when this movie, when Catwoman appeared on screen, and you were saying, "Man, did did anyone notice there was a little bit of innuendo?" And oh. and all I could think of is, as a 14 year old going. Oh dear God in heaven! I'm glad I'm not seeing this with my parents. <laughs> because, because uh-huh. I love you. There wasn't too much innuendo for my mind at that yeah, point. Like, because I did, and and I know a lot of people saw a lot of it. Like, I never, I never really did the whole R-rated movie thing until later. My parents kind of kept the put the kibosh on what I could see and what I couldn't see. But uh, when Michelle Pfeiffer came cartwheeling onto on, onto the screen. That made an impression. I was like, oh, wow. So here's, we we actually have. <laughs> wow. We actually have. So, Pat, here's a surprise for you. We have, Uh-oh. I have audio footage of a 14-year-old Pat in the theater <laughs> when Catwoman comes back flipping onto the screen. Here, here we go. Here's the audio footage from that moment of you seeing this in the theater for the there first time. So clearly that was before your voice broke too. That was way before my, that was yeah. way before the the voice breaking. So that put a put a little starch in my socks if you get what if you catch my drift. All right. And Batmobile is just I, cool. All right. Sorry. It was, it was sorry. cool. Batmobile is cool. I always love the Batmobile. That's well, that's my favorite design for the Batmobile. Oh, it's just it's beautiful. All right. It's a work of art. Three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right. First question. What would be a great new animal-based villain for Batman? There are a lot. I mean, there's, there's, you have the animal, ba- I mean, a lot of the heroes are animal based heroes. You've got Spider Man, you've got Mole Man, you've got Scorpion, you've got Rhino, you've got Sabretooth, you've got all these different, and of course you have the Penguin and you have Killer Croc and all these different characters. If you had to make up a new one, what animal would you pick? I like the what idea of a bear, like a big old bear. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's strong like better. Okay. I, think I, mine's I, gonna I, be... I won't make you come up with a name for him, like the the grizzly guy. I don't know. Bear man. Bear man. <laughs> well, that, I don't think that's, that's what that, no, that's not that's that's not good. <laughs> you're you're kind of getting into the innuendo when you start with that stuff. <laughs> Indeed. Bear man oh, will man. bear it all. <laughs> I was gonna say bear man. It sounds like a new. That sounds like a chewing tobacco line. Mm. Do bear man. 
<sighs> I, boy, animal, like... <sighs> I, yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know. Did Batman ever have to fight, like, another bat? Yeah, there, was, there was Man Bat. Was there Man Bat? Okay, yeah, see, Man I, Bat I figured... was kind of like a he was like a werewolf kind of t- character. He would uh, when the full moon came out, he would turn into a, this giant bat. Do you remember like some of the early episodes of the animated series? There was the Man Bat. Yeah. So that was kind of the they, the twist on it was they went the other way around. It was he actually transforms into a giant bat creature. Interesting. See, that's the thing. Everything I think I'd think of was probably in the comics or the whatever's at some point. I'm just not aware of them. I don't, I don't know that I've got anything to bring to the table on this one, guys. I, I apologize. I would have an armored supervillain that just can't cross the street, and his name is Armadillo Man. Armadillo. Mm. Yeah. He just can't cross the street because he's going to get run over. You know what, though? That would be pretty cool, like the Armadillo. And yeah. then, like, I mean, that would almost be like a – Everything Batman tries, he can't get past the right, armor. His, his gadgets don't work on the armadillo. Yeah, that'd be that'd be that'd be cool. And he's got now their armor is not quite as strong, but he's got his armadillo army, and they are mm. also armored supervillains that can fight. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So I'm I'm going with the armadillo. Like it? Yeah, I like that. Although, if I ask Siri to tell me the name of that she's going to call it the armadillo ah she always that's cool have i ever have i ever told you that when i ask when i would ask directions to a portillos siri would, portillos yeah siri, siri would tell me getting directions to portillos that's interesting yeah. like it's not a mexican restaurant siri i have i have given myself over to the commercialization of the amazon alexa okay and i have multiple generations of alexa in my house yeah. The oldest generation is in my living room, and it cannot perform this feat that I am about to to tell you. Right. But I have I have given my kitchen Alexa over to the voice of Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, nice! And oh, let me well tell done. you, boys, <laughs> it's worth it sometimes. I gotta be honest with you. That is that is outstanding. It is everything you would hoped it would be, and you know, you ask the man to set a timer, and he will give you the business before he sets that timer. That is awesome. Do you use it? Do you use it to, to grill outside and and you end up hearing this voice? Mm -hmm. This is a tasty burger. burger. (laughs) I, I I will admit to having used the timer for several tests of the COVID-19 variety. Okay. So he is, he's very used to timing me for 15 minutes. All right. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, now, now I'm, curious. Is, I'm not going to lie. I do enjoy it. Is, is it, is it PG rated or no? Oh no. Okay. No, you might be able to ask it to be PG rated. Okay. I, I will admit to not having looked into that deeply because it didn't matter to me, but well, right. I could see why I, that might for others. The, the only person in the house that, cause most of the rest of our stuff upstairs is now Apple stuff. We have the home pod minis. And sure. Others. Sure. Uh, the only one that has kind of taken over all of the Alexas we have in the house is Nora. So, yeah. Well, so I'm like, well, that be... would be fun to test it out, but not on hers. No, no. Maybe wait a couple of years and yeah. and then roll it out after she's seen Pulp Fiction a couple of times. While we're, <laughs> yes. While we're talking about voices, different types of voices on your, on your home devices and things like that, there was a stretch of time where 
you know, back when you could get like the Garmin or the TomTom GPS things uh, Mm -hmm. in your car, you buy the little standalone units and put it in your car. They were doing, was it TomTom? TomTom was doing James Earl Jones as Darth Vader, Mm. giving directions. I do remember that. I think we had that. I don't have one of these, but I feel like I need to buy one. It was, if it, God, I kind of asked Donna if we did that. Because we definitely did some stuff like that. I just can't, for the life of me, remember. Interesting. Very cool. You must turn around here. (laughs) At the next light, take a left. Okay. Move. Move the car out of the parking garage so that we can send a clear transmission. There you go. Yeah. That's when it can't connect. Instead of recalculating. (laughs) Recalculating. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to throw a recalculating GPS out the window. Mm -hmm. Recalculating. I'll recalculate you. Admiral, move the ship away from lower Wacker Drive so we can send a clear (laughs) transmission. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten lost on Lower Wacker just because the GPS oh, cuts God. out. Oh, God. But anyway. Turn. Turn. Yes. No turn. There is turn. no turn. That's a, I can't turn. It's a solid concrete wall. I can't that's turn. That's a wall. That, that's a wall. That's, There's nothing I can do about that's this. A, that's a river. I'm not turning into a river. I'm going to be living in a van down in the river if I turn that way. Right. <sighs> anyway. All right. That's GPS stuff. That's So Armadillo is what I'm going to choose. I, I like what I like they what you got. Army the armadillo. Army. There we go. The ar- yeah the armadillo. Uh huh. His armor could be camouflage. Ooh. So not only is he armored, you can't see him. But his weakness is traffic. Well, yeah. Because you can't drive through any part of Texas without seeing a dead armadillo in the middle of the road. Yeah, they don't. They don't come across as very smart. That's for sure. They're not necessarily. I think this villain is going to be one of those brute force kind of villains. He's, mm-hmm. he's not a strategizer. Let's put it that way. No. All right. You have any other animals? I, I, I got. I, I don't. I don't got. I don't got anything. You don't got anything. I just. I. I, I don't got anything. I love right. what you guys did. I like. I like the, <laughs> the bear man and the army, the armadillo. I. I like it. A lot. I don't know if I've got anything. All right. That's fine. I, I've, I've dropped the ball, man. I've dropped the ball. That's okay. You, you can pick it up with this one. What is one of your favorite Christmas memories since this is a Christmas movie? What is one of your favorite Christmas memories? Oh, man. I got plenty of those. Bo, you want to get in there first? Oh, wow. Christmas memories. Let's see. You know, I think it's going to be the first Christmas I spent with my wife, who was my then girlfriend. I was house sitting for my uncle. It was just the two of us after all the celebrations. Like we had, we had just met a couple of months. We were, so we each did our own family thing. Like we didn't go together. We hadn't really been together long enough to do that, but we met late on either Christmas Eve night or Christmas night. She's going to be better at remembering that. And I'm feeling bad that I don't, but that's not the point. But we were sitting at my uncle's house with all the lights out and it was snowing and we were watching Christmas cartoons like Hard Rock, Coco and Joe and Susie Snowflake at like two in the morning. And just something about that scene in front of a fireplace with the snowing and the 
Uh, how does Bing Crosby say it in White Christmas with the shushing? And the... Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was good. It was really good. I think for nice. me, I'm instead of going with like an actual like a Christmas Day kind of memory, I'm gonna go with like the Christmas season, like for the majority of December. I always had fun. I always had fun like on the weekends. We'd pick a different Christmas movie and we'd watch it like each weekend leading up to Christmas. We'd each year the rotation was a little different. One year it might have been Elf and then a Christmas story and then Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Another year it might be. Muppet Christmas Carol and Christmas Vacation and I don't know. I haven't watched Die Hard with the kids yet. But, you know, we have a different rotation of Christmas movies. And I, I don't know. It's just that's one of the parts of December that I always look forward to is bringing out the Christmas movies every year. And introducing them to some new ones that they haven't seen yet. Like some of the older versions of A Christmas Carol and stuff like that. Cool. Cool. What about you, Pat? I'm I'm trying to play. Okay, how can I do? I have should I do top ten? Should I do top five? Like what Christmas? But I've got one, and it's actually Batman related. A number of years ago, we got my uh, old gauge train board from my my parents and put it up in this house in our house so that the kids could start playing with it. And this was this was years and years ago, so Dominic could start and all this kind of thing. And I started to get back into the model railroading thing and all that. And so we're talking to Dominic and one Christmas, Dominic, what do you want for Christmas? Oh, I'd like a train car. Really? What train car would you like? I'd like a Batman train car, a Batman train car. Okay. So then of course you go, when you start looking and it's like, my gosh, the sticker shock on the Batman train car, Mm -hmm. if you can find a Batman train car. So I'm like, you know what? I'll think I'll, I'll try to make my own. Okay. So I go over to the hobby place over in Mundelein. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that place right up. Ron's Hobbies. Love it, man. Love it. And uh, so I'm in Ron's Hobbies trying not to like spend my entire paycheck and all the models and everything in there. And so I go in and I'm like, okay, here's the deal. My son wants, and they're like, really? Wow. Okay. Here's so they helped set me up and I got a box car and I got a tender car and I, I, like got Batman stickers. I got flat back black spray paint and I got like a little toy Batmobile and a toy bat bat. Cause this was after the Nolan ones. So it was the bat. And so I like, I'm going to construct it. And then, and then the guy was like, dude, and you know what we could do too. If you want to take it a step further, we're kind of out of time now, but we can get a power pack in the box car and we can rig up a bat symbol. So that when it goes down the trail or down the tracks, it shoots a bat symbol. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, this is beyond cool. And so anyways, I'm getting the thing all set for, for Dominic. Right. So I'm assembling it. And then it comes time to, it's gotta be ready the next morning. So I get everything glued. So I've got to, I've got to paint the thing. Right. So I, I get like the initial steps ready, but Christmas Eve, I always play trumpet at like, all the services, including the midnight service, right? So I get back, it's like one o'clock in the morning and I've got to finish the Batman train cars, right? So I'm down in the basement setting up my, my, uh, my, my impromptu paint shop. And of course it's like 80 below zero outside. So I can't just open the window. I'm sitting there doing the spray paint probably shouldn't be inhaling what I'm inhaling. Hmm. I'm just sitting there spray. And it's like, it's not like one job and it's done. You got to spray, let it sit for an hour, spray it again. let it sit just and this whole thing 
I ended up inhaling way too much paint, kind of like passing out, opening up the window to try to not inhale too much paint, passing out, and then almost getting frostbite in my own basement and the whole thing. <laughs> but luckily, luckily, everything got done. And by the time Dominic was up the next morning, we had the boxcar with the bat and the bat symbol. We had the tender with the Batmobile sitting on the top, all painted black, ready to rock on our on our train board. So that's my very nice Batman Christmas story nice that's outstanding it was fun quick advertisement for local businesses and what is across the street from ron's hobbies and mudline is it tony cannoli yeah it is oh dude i'm going to mudline tomorrow gentlemen, hit ron's gentlemen hobbies. I, I went there it was amazing yeah tony's yeah. doing a good thing over there yeah. isn't he i even told him about our podcast and that we were talking about them during the godfather episode they, they were very <laughs> impressed. That's Leave awesome. the gun. Take the cannoli. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't yeah, worry. I, I don't. I don't have a gun, so I will just take the cannoli. Take the cannoli. Thank you very much. Yeah. I man, what great stuff is going on in Mundelein? That's hobbies. Tony Cannoli. Mm-hmm. That's a fun little stretch Oof. of road. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. All right. Question three. So much like Catwoman in this movie. Let's say that you have to make a suit of some kind. If you were going to be a hero or a villain, you have to make a suit of some kind using only items that are already in your house. What materials would you be using? Hmm. I already have the materials and my supervillain name. Well, lay it on us then, bro. I, sitting down here, actually up on the walls, you guys can't see it because it's behind where the computer is. And, and I had a friend who found a bunch of this in their in their workshop like uh, this house that they bought just a a year or two ago they found a bunch of this in the workshop behind the house and so they donated to me because they know i would be setting stuff up for podcasting stuff so i have a bunch of soundproofing material like these soundproofing panels that i can put either in the ceiling or the walls or i might make a little panel that i can just slide in over here next to where i'm recording and i've got some of the soundproofing stuff up here on the wall so i've got a lot of soundproofing stuff I'm going to create a super villain whose name is the silencer. And, mm-hmm. and I'm going to use all my like soundproofing it. material to make a costume and it will be silent, but deadly. <laughs> oh, geez. That's what I'm going with. That's brutal, but hysterical Thank all you. at the same time. Thank you. It will be brutal. What do you guys got? Top that. Uh, I don't know if I can top that. And if one of you yeah, tells me, either. If, if one of you tells me you have a leather cat suit, I'm going to be a little, just a little concerned. <laughs> oh, only a little. That's that's interesting. What, what do you guys want to do next? Oh, oh well, if that's the case, I need a second to think. Bo, you go. Pat, Gosh, do you I have? Oh. I'm going to be. <laughs> Hold on, let me text Gosh. Tammy a question real quick. Stuff around the house. You can tell I put a lot of thought into this one pre-pod, can't you? Well, if you're thinking, like, in all seriousness, I was thinking I would cheat. Like, I'd probably just grab a bunch of motorcycle gear. You there know you what go. I'm saying? Oh, that's true. You've got a uh, motorcycle uh, stuff. I mean, I don't know if it, it if there, if I actually have, like, a supervillain personality kind of, like, thing. But, I mean, like, there's always supervillains, like, riding around on motorcycles and stuff. I mean, even if you look at, like, uh, what was the Tarantino movie with the with the – the murdered bride kill bill kill bill kill bill remember when they remember when she first shows up into japan and mm-hmm. like the guys are riding around with their motorcycles 
I think they were Yamaha FC ones, but I could be way off on that. I doubt Please it. Don't, <laughs> I don't think I know, I'm just going to say it. But, but remember, and they were playing the Green Hornet theme, and they rode around on the bikes, and they all had the, had the swords stored on their bikes. I'm like, dude, that is so cool. And I got the bike and the swords. I think just put those together and ride around. Pat's just going to wear his motorcycle. Exactly. That's, that's it. Yeah. Wouldn't you? <laughs> and thinking of this movie, oddly enough, I do own a whip. It's upstairs. There it is. There you yeah. go. So I do have that. That could I could add that to the silencer costume. The silencer. Yeah. I would grab all of my old baseball gear oh, and go. somehow oh. figure out how to be maybe I'd call myself evil Ruth or something. And and my my superpower is I have I have deadly aim with a bat and a ball, and I can clock you right in the head with it. There you go. Uh, That's outstanding. And for armor, I'd have, like, catcher's equipment or something. Yes. That's where I'm at because I do still have a lot of crap. That's awesome. (laughs) I'm getting, like, like, uh, Casey Jones vibes. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I just want somebody to walk in and be like, well, I'm not wearing baseball pads. (laughs) <laughs> I don't what use makes... the bucket anymore. <laughs> what makes you so different from us? I'm not wearing a catcher's mitt. <laughs> there you go. Um, oh, man. You know what? That was, that was actually something I did not mention when we were talking about the movie itself is the, the times when Bruce and Batman use the Batman voice versus when he does not. Mm -hmm. Like there was a point in the movie where he's talking to Alfred. It's him in the Batmobile talking to Alfred on the Batmobile radio or phone or whatever. And, and he's doing the whole, well, Alfred, I've got to go do this. And I, and he's using the whole Batman voice. And then there's later in the movie, he's talking to Alfred and he's just like, yeah, Alfred, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do that or not, or I'm going to, it's the, it's the Bruce Wayne voice. I'm like, it, it always, and I'm not just picking on this movie. Whenever there's a movie or anything like that, and it's just Bruce and Alfred talking to each other, and he uses this voice, like, dude, what do you know? You obviously have learned well enough when to turn that voice on and off. I don't mm-hmm. think you need to use it with Alfred. I think it's probably going right. to be okay. Like, it's not like right. you're not a method actor. You don't have to stay in character at all times. You've learned well right. enough when to do this and when not. So let's just, and I'm sure Alfred is like, look, Bruce, shut up. <laughs> you either talk to me like a human being or you don't talk to me at all. <laughs> no. All right. Do we have anything else for Batman Returns? Have we covered everything we need to cover? I think so, man. Other than just me going off for another hour about how awesome he is. So the, the other fun and interesting thing we've got is in about three more years, we will be switching to a completely different actor for Batman. And uh, again, a bit of a tonal shift in the movies as we look at Batman Forever. So, you know, if you're only here for when we talk about the Batman movies, come back in about three more years. In 2025, we'll be talking about Batman Forever. So it's and I, I have things to say about that movie as well. Are you trying to get under my cape, Doctor? And what a grand pursuit you must be. Yeah, I've got stuff to say about that movie, too. I, it has its it mm-hmm. has its fun moments as well, but we've got three years to 
prep ourselves for that one. Patience, oh, bisected one. See, I'm already quoting the movie three years on. I okay, I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> there, I got There are plenty of times where my sister and I would use the line from that movie where, like, when we'd get upset with somebody, one of us would say something like, don't kill him. He won't <laughs> learn nothing. <laughs> so, but yes. Oh, man. That's, that's a fun one. Maybe we can get Val Kilmer to come on the podcast and, and talk, there you go. talk for a bit about Because we've, we've talked about him so much mowing his lawn that maybe we can get him on here. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. More likely to sue us for talking about him so much. That's also true. <laughs> that, that's also that true. could happen as well. You know, that's, hey, you know what? Hey, it, maybe we get his autograph that way if he sends There you some, go. If we get sent some court documents and he signs them. Oh, Frame oh, it. Man. Frame it now. Free autograph. Sign me up. I don't think that's quite how that works, but that's eh, okay. No. no. All right. Well, you can follow us on social media. We are at 30 Podcast just about everywhere. 30podcast.com is our website, as we mentioned before at the top of the show. That is a great place to go to find all of our other episodes. We have 400 and whatever episodes there. So plenty of stuff. If you are going on a long trip somewhere and you need something to listen to, we have literally hours, hundreds of hours of content for you to check out. If you want to join us on Patreon, again, any level of support there gets you access to the bonus episodes, and there's all kinds of other stuff that you can get into over there as well. We've got coming up our next few episodes. Here in the month of July, we have our Patreon episode is the Razzies of 1992. We'll be talking about Shining Through, The Bodyguard, Christopher Columbus, The Discovery, Final Analysis, and Newsies. We have two Patreon short episodes that are coming out in the month of July. Obi-Wan Kenobi, which actually would already be out by now. I think I did a quick, like, 25 minutes or so covering all six episodes of that one. And then our other one is Thor Love and Thunder which is going to be coming out at the beginning of July. And I'll have a little short, probably 15 minute or so review of that one in mid July for our Patreon co-executive producers. Other episodes in the month of July next week, we are talking this, this month is our salute to animals. So every one of our movies has something to do with an animal of some kind or has an animal in the title. This one was obviously Batman returns. Our next one is reservoir dogs. The week after that will be the mighty ducks. And the week after that will be beef oven. And then we get into the month of August. The month of August, our Patreon episodes are best motorcycle movies. I know Pat, Pat has been prepping himself for months for that one. Motorcycles are cool. Yeah. Super. <laughs> uh-huh. And then our Patreon shorts, one of them I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I'm going to do for one of those, but the other one is going to be a quick 15-minute review of Creep Show from 1982 fun fun horror movie and then the rest of our episodes that month will be sneakers glenn gary glenn <laughs> ross captain ron wayne's world and white men can't jump oh wow so august is going to be a good one i feel like we say Jesus. that about every month but maybe it's just true about every month mm. oh. so anyway that's what we got coming up gents i always have fun talking movies with you always a Love pleasure talking with you too brother so, folks, come on back here next time. We will be talking the Quentin Tarantino, the original Quentin Tarantino, his first movie, Reservoir Dogs. In the meantime, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we will see you back here next week. 